friends, welcome to the Redeemer Queen's Park podcast. Redeemer exists to help connect Jesus to people, people to community, and community to mission. We gather to worship God in fellowship with one another on Saturday afternoons at 3 p.m. If you ever have any questions or if we could be of help in any way at all, then please give us a shout at hello at redeemerqp.com. We hope you'll be encouraged as you hear another one of our Bible talks. Let's listen to the next episode. If you have a if you have the ability to, to be reading along with this. Let's, uh, let's, let's all try to find it. You Google a Bible, you can find it maybe in an app on your phone, but John 8, 12 to 20, so helpfully read for us. Listen, I wonder how aware you are of your relationship with the darkness. Um, when, I was a, when I was a little boy, um, not too different than the kids that just left this room, I was actually terribly afraid of the dark, and I didn't do well with it. I was, uh, I was actually like pretty scared of it, I mean, even as like, you know, 10, 11, 12, 13 year old kid trying to walk through the house, I like had to cut the light on whenever I entered the room. Like, I mean, I actually had like a real aversion um, to the darkness. Um, you, might, you might know what this is like physically. Um, you might feel this in your own way today. Those of us that have kids, you might, you might actually have a little bit of this as well. I even noticed with my son, Shepard, whenever um, we're headed up in the evenings, especially now that the sun is is going down earlier. It's just naturally darker uh, sooner that Shepard always wants the light to his room turned on before he goes inside because there's something about the darkness that just makes him a bit uncomfortable, right? I wonder if, how aware you are of your own relationship with the darkness. If you're ever afraid of the dark, right? Helpfully, helpfully, in uh, most cultures, light is usually associated with things that are good and approachable, even beneficial to us. And darkness even has these connotations of being, of being bad or uncertain or unknown, right? Specifically, in our, in our own lives, we all have different relationships with the darkness. For some of us, de- uh, depression or anxiety or various fears, they can feel like a darkness that actually haunt the c- corners of our soul. Sometimes it even feels like they actually overtake us, right? Some of us are even then able to kind of connect. Yeah, that's a little bit of my relationship with the darkness. The Bible very helpfully describes our own distance from God as a darkness as well. In fact, there are specific actions and activities that we can engage in in the spiritual dimension that are actually associated with the darkness and can even cause more darkness. Very helpfully, Jesus walks right into this room in the midst of us and he says these words, right here. Jesus claims to be the light of the world, right? So we're in this collection of talks, this new set of ideas. Jesus, in his own words, over the next seven weeks, get these seven glimpses, these wonderful things Jesus said about himself. And what we see today, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Not necessarily a physical light here in the here and now, but a spiritual light for those spots of spiritual darkness that we know in our own souls, we know in relationships, we know in our families. Jesus claims the ability to be light in the presence of the darkness. Even then, we would do well to think of this as something that's going to be very practical, right? Jesus was a very practical person. He was God in human flesh. He spoke with ideas that were very common to people. 
So even then we should just consider like, how does the light make you feel, right? In just a very practical way, you know? Well, I mean, like a, like, a, like a child, like walking into a dark room, there's something about the light that's just inherently comforting. I can, I can, see, where, I can see where stuff is. I can make sure I'm the only person in this room, yeah? Just like the, just like the light on, on cooler, damper days like this, you know, you kind of long for the sun, the ability to like stretch out a little bit, relax. You feel the comfort of that. You feel the warmth of that. Yeah. We would expect for this light that Jesus offers to not necessarily meet those physical needs, but what happens in the spiritual dimension then to be akin to the comfort of just knowing where I am and what's around me. That ease and that feel that our bodies get when just being in the sun, right? When it's about 27 degrees outside, I think that's my sweet spot. We would expect, we would expect for what Jesus is talking about here to be able to meet spiritual needs and sensitivities we have in a way that light makes sense to us in our everyday sense. Let me give you some background though. Okay, let me give you some background. To this claim right here, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness. Jesus is actually speaking in a specific moment, and there's some stuff going on around him that if we, if we could almost see what's happening around Jesus, it'll, it'll help us to appreciate even more what Jesus is saying right here. And Jesus was at a Jewish festival called the Feast of the Tabernacles. And I know that's a little bit of a weird name, but here's essentially what's going on. Jesus belonged to the people of Israel or the Jewish people. And they had this festival that they'd celebrate where they would look back and they would remember the Exodus. They would remember when God liberated His people from a physical, political, and spiritual captivity. God liberated His people, nation of Israel, from captivity to the people in Egypt. And they would actually have this festival when they would get together and they would celebrate two things at the Feast of Tabernacles. They would celebrate water, because God actually provided water for His people and they didn't have any to drink. So water was a big part of this festival. But interestingly, they get together to celebrate light. This is a festival of light. And Jesus is standing in the middle of this festival where God's people, they look back on these events from the past, they celebrate water and they celebrate light. And Jesus is a part of this festival. The festival's going along. And it's as if he's kind of pulling some people to the side. He's saying, listen, I want, to, I want to tell you what's going on here. And what Jesus says in the midst of this, he says, I am the light of the world. He says that in the middle of a festival, looked back. There's something about a national identity that he was speaking to here. But even as we understand the Exodus, not just as like some other people group's story, but all of our stories spiritually, as we understand what it means to be helpless, what it means to be enslaved, what it means to be called out of slavery graciously by God, we're able to identify with this as our story as well. God's people, they made their way to the edge of the city and they were actually met with this column of cloud that would guide them both day and night. And the lighting ceremony that people were into in this festival where Jesus is, this Feast of Tabernacles, is looking back and it's remembering very practically. God's people were remembering we, we didn't know where to go, but God actually guided us with light. We couldn't see who else was in the room with us, but God in heaven, He actually lit up the room for us. 
And they're at this festival, and they're celebrating this. They're celebrating God's provision of light in a moment of desperate need. And Jesus is looking at people. He's calling us together. He's like, listen, I want to tell you what's going on here. Okay? I am the light of the world. This particular instance, it took place in the, uh, a, a unique part of the temple complex called the Court of the Women, where both men and women could meet to worship God. As best as you can imagine, I mean, we have like some, uh, we have some school lighting above us today, but if you could almost imagine these 16 bronze pots that could only be reached by a ladder, the, the wick that was in each and every one of them was actually part of a priestly garment. I know these are some details for some of us, but the part of a priestly garment was actually in these bowls of oil to be a wick. And imagine the lighting ceremony just took place. Imagine we were standing beneath these 16 burning bowls of oil. We know this actually happened in the later autumn. We actually understand that the, the time uh, would have shifted, so to speak, from our perspective and would have even been darker outside. All of Jerusalem would have burned like daylight. And Jesus, in the midst of this, Jesus standing beneath 16 bowls of burning oil, He looks at His people and He says, I am the light of the world. He's attending this festival as a man coming from a Jewish tradition. He's in attendance because he's trying to help people that should have known who he is, that should have been able to pick up on his identity. He's, he's self-defining and he's self-explaining. You know, in a relationship with somebody, it's, um, it's actually impossible to have a genuine relationship with someone unless we're giving room to that other person to self-describe or self-define, right? There's actually no such thing as a relationship when, you know, whenever we were to get together, like one person does all the talking and the other person isn't allowed to give any information, right? Beautifully then, when it comes to God, you don't have to wonder what God is like. You don't have to guess. You don't have to make stuff up. He's graciously told us, sending Jesus to earth as the fulfillment of a people's story who walks into this festival light standing beneath these burning pots of oil, he looks at his people and he says, let me tell you who I am. I am the light of the world. To get the picture of what's going on here, then we could even consider some other bits of the Bible that's actually helpful to have in mind, right? In Scripture, light speaks of God. God says in uh, 1 John 1, 5, he says, he says he's light. Darkness speaks of sin and Satan. You see this in John chapter 3 and Acts 26.18. The Bible says that sinners, that's all of us who are far from God, says everybody who's far from God, one way the Bible actually describes or defines our activity, and this is all of us, this is me, this is you, this is all of us far from God, is actually deeds of darkness. While God's people should live as children of light, that's Ephesians chapter 5. Jesus actually called hell the place of outer darkness in Matthew chapter 5, 8, verse 12, and 25, verse 30. But in Revelation 21, 25, we learn that in heaven, there'll be no need of light because Jesus will be there and He will be the light of heaven. People who are far from God, according to the Bible, John chapter 12, verse 46, people who are far from God are called in darkness, while people who have actually come to know God, 1 Peter 2.9 says they've actually come into His marvelous light. So these are the Bible's ideas. As a church community, we just read the Bible and we try to let us it define for us who God is, 
what it means for us to live in a relationship with God. But categories, light and darkness, it's kind of like an either or. You're in one or you're in the other. Bringing it together, we could follow the Exodus all the way over to Jesus. And the Exodus, that event where God's people learn to sing, Psalm 27 verse 1, The Lord is my light and my salvation. The Lord is my light and my salvation. It's actually the lyric from a song from a people that knew what it was to be liberated from captivity and guided by light. They learned to sing this. God's wisdom then given to the world. God's wisdom becomes light. God's wisdom becomes light that illumines his people. Proverbs 8.22 says this. So then in Psalm 119.105, the, the hymn writer, is the, the songwriter, is able to say, Your word is a lamp to my feet, and it's a light to my path. In rabbinic Judaism, so kind of the folk that Jesus was speaking to here, they understood light to actually be associated with God's word, which guides and provides wisdom for people as they study it. So according to rabbinic Judaism, if you were to study the Old Testament, if you were to stare at it, if you were to kind of let its teachings into your heart and into your soul, it would actually become a light that would help tune you in, if you will, to how God actually created the heavens and the earth, what the good life is, and what we should all be aiming for and striving after. Well, John the Baptist comes along right before Jesus. John the Baptist comes on the scene, and he announced the arrival of the Messiah, the arrival of this Jesus with these words. Jesus says he... The author tells us that he came as a witness to testify concerning the light, who is Jesus, John 1, 7. So the only people that need to be told that the light is shining are those that are actually in darkness. And friend, that's all of us. That's that's me. That's you. That's all of us together. We all have times in the darkness. We all have seasons in the darkness. And there's good news through this. You kind of wade through some of these ideas to get to the good news. The good news is light is available. Light is on offer. You don't have to conjure it up. You don't have to like find it inside of you. The Bible actually says it's available and it's in a person. His name is Jesus. And we can access this person and we can have his light in our lives. So the conclusion of the matter then is you just take a look at what's going on in John chapter 8 is that Jesus stands up in this festival of lights. And Jesus tells the people, I am the light of the world. Jesus tells the people, I'm what this is all about. I'm the point of this festival. I'm the way to be able to see. So what this means in the most simplest of terms for all of us, just as the sun then is sufficient to give light to our planet, what this means is that Jesus is sufficient to give light to our lives. Jesus is sufficient to give light to the church. So think about the sun. Think about the sun itself, that massive ball of fire that we are all orbiting around right now, just flying through outer space, right? You think about the sun. The sun is the center of the Earth's solar system. Planets orbit around the sun. The sun doesn't orbit around planets. And Jesus then, Jesus is the center of all things. And Jesus and Jesus alone knows how to help people relate to the Father in heaven. And Jesus and Jesus alone is who His people orbit around, who the church orbits around. It's the big idea. He's central. We are periphery. He must never be relegated to the fringes then. But so many times that's what we do. But 
Here's the good news. Three illuminating truths about Jesus from this passage. First one's this. Jesus calls himself the life and light of God. It's especially good news if you're aware of any of your own dealings with darkness. Some of us even feel like, you know, somewhat decent people. But we all, we all do know those elements of darkness. We all do know what it's like to lie in bed at night and to have those doubts and those uncertainties about our, about our dealings in the world. We, we know deep down on the inside, even though this isn't something we might talk about all the time, we know the darkness and there's good news. Jesus calls himself the light and life of God. Standing beneath 16 burning bowls of oil, ignited by the wick coming off of a priestly garment. And he says, I, I am the light of the world. Wonderfully saying that I am phrase that was key to the Exodus story. When Moses was wondering, who is this God? Like, how am I going to know who's leading me? God says, I am. That means God is present with us. That means we're not talking today about something that's abstract, something that's way off in the distance, hard to get, hard to understand. God is present. He's here in the present tense. And Jesus says, I am the light of the world. So this guy, Jesus, he he unavoidably claimed to be God, and he also clearly claimed to be present with his people in the Exodus story. That festival of light, celebrating the way God lit up the world in the Exodus, it brings our minds then back to Exodus chapter 14, verses 19 and 20, when we learn that pillar of cloud also moved in front and it stood behind them coming in between the armies of Egypt and Israel. Throughout the night, the cloud brought darkness to one side and light to the other side. So neither went near the other all night long. And don't miss it. In this amazing fact that we're given about the Exodus, Jesus comes along in John chapter 8, and Jesus helps us to see what was happening all along. Jesus comes in with light, and He illuminates our understanding as Jesus no doubt claims to be the one who protected His people when they were in harm. Jesus was the one who guided His people through the wilderness. Jesus was the one who was enveloping people in the tabernacle. It was Jesus who came into the temple that Solomon built, and it was Jesus who filled it with glory so people could serve God. And the same is true in the church today. But it's Jesus who claimed to be that Shekinah glory of God. We need this in our world today, don't we? Our Jesus, only Jesus, is capable of lighting up the darkness in each of our lives. Whereas people, whereas the people of God in the Old Testament, they knew, they knew what it was like to have physical armies pursuing them. Some of us today, we don't have physical armies pursuing us, but we have do, we do have different things that stand in opposition to us. Some, some of us face unjust systems and structures. Some of us place an internal battle and bout with the darkness. Others of us have relationships that just feel cloaked in darkness. We all together in different ways all across the room, we need this one today who is the life and light of God. We all know the different shades of darkness that define us in different ways. We need this light. We need this protection over our souls. We need this one to stand guard like a mighty cloud between us and those various metaphorical armies that threaten our souls. So look to Him. 
Even as you can see glimpses of this light from him, believe in him today. Because he's, he calls himself this. Next, he calls out to us. Jesus calls out the dark. He calls us out of the darkness and into the light. Jesus is actually speaking to a pretty skeptical group of religious people. And if you're paying attention, you're like, man, we're just kind of focused on this one verse. Like, what else is going on here? Like, we're just in verse 12, but actually what's going on in verse 13 to 19, let's get clued up. Jesus is speaking to a group of religious people that actually should have been pretty enlightened. They should have been able to pick up. Well, I mean, this was the one who was actually guiding Israel, but they couldn't, they couldn't see him. And what's crazy that Jesus is actually calling out here, Jesus is actually helping us to see that we can actually be in a type of darkness and be right next to him. The point is that man-made traditions, they can replace God's word and replace God's glory. And when this happens, illusions can begin to replace reality. Traditions and religious rituals aren't the problem, but the problem is whenever they become to eclipse the reality of God, they can actually darken our minds and our hearts, and we can miss Jesus when he's standing right in front of us. Jesus is speaking to a group of religious leaders. We understand most of these were probably men, but he's in the court of the women, so some women could have been around. And we actually know this for a fact because just moments before, Jesus was teaching at this Feast of Tabernacles, and then a woman who was caught in the act of adultery is dragged into the room. Caught in the act implies something was going down minutes before, and this woman is dragged into the room, thrown down at the feet of Jesus. And you have these religious guys looking at Jesus, saying, what are we going to do with this one? Wondering if Jesus would exercise mercy, or if there would be some type of punishment. Jesus comes to the defense of this defenseless woman. And Jesus shows us what it is to be light, and how he protects her and actually how he actually fends off her accusers. And then Jesus turns and he looks at people and he says, I'm the light of the world. Even those that ought to know better, even those religious leaders, even those that have access to the scriptures, if you will, and they're not able to see me, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. And what this means for each and every one of us, very practically, Jesus is the light that can enlighten our dark, enlightened age. There are plenty of people that would say to this, well, we're evolved. We don't really need light. But no doubt, we know the darkness. What if we could actually hear this from Jesus as one reaching out to us through these claims today? As one of light reaching out to you and me, all of us, that know elements of darkness. What if we could actually hear Jesus, even see Jesus reaching out from the light to us wrapped up in the darkness. Because Jesus is speaking to religious leaders. They ought to have been able to see, but they couldn't. They ought to have known better, but they didn't because they had a special kind of darkness over them. They actually had an awareness of God without an actual connection with God. And it might be the most deceiving type of darkness of them all. So it's a good opportunity for anyone in here that claims to belong to God we actually take a moment as we hear this to make sure we are indeed in the light. Because there were great crowds that couldn't see the true character of God. There were, there were people standing all around that didn't know the worth of a soul. They didn't know the reality of the life to come. They couldn't identify Jesus as the only hope of the situation. In the midst of a dark world, Jesus claimed to be 
light. And we should really let that one in because we should make sure that our exposure to the light doesn't become a darkness to us. History tells us of the different people that weren't able to withstand. Hugh Hefner, the person who created Playboy magazine, he was raised in a minister's home. Joseph Stalin studied for the priesthood. Mao Zedong was raised under missionary teaching. The very light of God can become a darkness to us. Sometimes our greatest danger as a church community in the days ahead is going to be when we meet to do this. We get around the light, we stare at the light, but if we're not paying attention to Him, if we allow the rituals of what's going to happen in our midst in the years ahead, if we allow the rituals to eclipse reality, we can become blind to the Jesus that stands right before us. Thank God. He calls out to us. He calls us out of the darkness. Do you hear him reasoning with the people, calling them out of darkness and into the light? Thankfully, Luis, come on up, man. Jesus calls his followers to shine his light as well. Jesus said, whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Walking in the light then is a matter of trusting in Christ. He goes to another place in Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 to 16, and he broke it down like this. He says, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light it and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. So in verse 16, in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. It may feel strange then to think of us Christians as the light of the world since Jesus in John 8, 12, so clearly he says he's the light. But Jesus, who is light, can somehow look at a community of people that once knew darkness, and Jesus can say, you're the light. you got to reason with that. We have to think, like, how is it he's able to do this? And the good news of today, friend, is that it's Jesus who came into our darkness. It's Jesus who's entered into the darkness of our lives. Jesus offers to enter into the darkness of our relationships, our marriages, our families, and our friends. And it's Jesus and Jesus alone who is pure light that can absorb our darkness into himself in a way that he can rightfully look at his people and say, and you are the light. The light that Jesus brings into the world, it, or, or, it originates in him though. Whereas the, the, the light that we have is just borrowed. We're just little mirrors then just receiving from Him and trying to reflect it out into the world. That becomes the mission of the church. But if we have His light in us, then that light can't be hidden. It must be made manifest. It must be put on display for the whole world to see. That's what Jesus would say, at least. Paul said it like this in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8, For you were once in darkness. And he's speaking to the church. He's speaking to Christians. He says, But now you are in the light in the Lord. Live as children of the light. So Jesus gathers his people. Jesus calls us to shine. And we can shine if he is the light of our lives. Just as the sun gives light to the planet, so Jesus too is sufficient. He is sufficient. He is enough to give light to our lives and our situations. I wonder if you are aware of your relationship with the dark. If you're able to identify, yeah, from physical, practical experiences, but in a spiritual sense, the darkness in our own souls. 
I wonder if we're able to hear this one claiming to be light. I wonder if we would just reach out to him as we see him reaching out to us through this moment. Because Jesus is not visibly walking around the streets of London today, but his people are here to represent him and to spread his light. So we who have been entrusted with this light, we who have had the darkness of our lives lit up by him, we do have light to show and good news to tell. The bottom line is that Jesus is the light we need. In Numbers chapter 9, verses 15 to 22, we learn that just as the cloud led Israel from Egypt to Canaan, so the Lord Jesus will lead the believer from earth and into heaven. For the one who really follows Christ, the promise is that he will be with us, that he will lead us, and that he will guide us. And it would have been incredibly comforting then to be able to live in the presence of that cloud. Not have to worry about anything else. Not have to find any inner light within yourself. It would have been incredibly comforting just to be able to like pop your head out the tent and just see, is the cloud here or not? Because if the cloud's here, we stay. And if the cloud moves, we're going to go. And this is the kind of church community we want to be. Not having to look inside and conjure up any enlightenment in and of ourselves, but just being able to, to look and to see and to live in the in the light of his presence. This is who the church is, and this is who we aspire to be together. And just know, it's only because Jesus, Jesus himself, Jesus, was able to go to the cross, and as the Bible tells us, it actually became as dark as night all around. That was Jesus doing battle with your darkness, with my darkness, Jesus went to that place where the darkness could be fully and finally absorbed. And Jesus took our darkness into himself. And he who is pure light is the only one who can drown it out once and for all. And the free offer, the good news of this church, is that light is available. Will we look to him? Will we behold him? Will we allow the light of his life to fill up and define eyes? That's our prayer. Let's ask for it together. Father in heaven, we need this light. We need this light that we see in John chapter 8. We need this one who claimed to be the light of the world. So God, we look to you. We look to you from the shadows of darkness today. We look to you as those that know what it is to be claimed as agents of light, but we even slip into the shadows as well. And we all look to you together. And we ask that you would give this light to us. Would you fill up our lives? Would you chase out the darkness, God? Would you help us to find the comfort that is living in the light of your presence? Even now, as we have a few moments to sit and to reflect and to think, God, we pray that you would speak to us. We pray that you would cut the lights on in our lives. We pray that you would convince us of the light that is within. And you'd help us to freely share it with people in the days ahead. So God, in the space of this moment, we pray that you'd speak, that you would lead, and that you would guide like only you can. We ask for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.